Hello guys, just before we get into today's episode, I just want to start by letting you know this episode was recorded 11th of February 2020 and only covers the game against the Galaxy as the game against Colorado hadn't been played yet, but uh, yeah, sorry it took so long to get out. But anyway, sit back and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please? Any Rugs UK. All things revolution from a UK perspective. Attention everybody, please stay buckled in. This is Chris from Worcester and you're listening to the Any Revs UK podcast. All things revolution from a UK perspective. Hello everybody, my name is Mike and welcome back to the Any Revs UK podcast. All things revolution from a UK perspective. We're back episode 4 of season 3 here on the only place where you hear Brit talk about the revolution. Well so far there's probably going to be some of them sprouting up you know, with all the fame and glory that come with producing this high quality podcast right we've got obviously a fair bit to go through today i've got a few questions uh, well actually yeah a few questions from you guys over on social media um, we'll be checking the dropbox as well to see if there's anything in there to uh you know i'm trying to get you guys involved more so if you've got any questions any sound bites you want to send over in forms of your voice being heard on the podcast you can send that over to the dropbox if you just go over to my uh, social media uh, side of things over on Twitter at AnyRevsUK. Uh, you'll be able to find the link over there or just contact me over on Twitter and ask me for the link and I will be sure to send it to you. If you've got any questions, thoughts, opinions or anything you kind of want to add to the podcast, make sure you send your little file, file clips, uh, voice clips over there, sorry, and uh, I'll be sure to include them. This will be added on to a Patreon tier at some point, so it's a limited time only when anytime you send anything in at the moment, I'll be featuring it. But obviously if this does take off and does well, then what we'll be doing is we will be uh, including this as a Patreon tier where you pay a little bit extra, but you'll be making sure you get your question featured or sound clip featured on an episode. So talking of obviously the revolution, as we do here over on the podcast, um, we had our first pre-season game, which we'll dive into shortly. We took on the LA Galaxy in the first scrimmage of the season. We're kind of running through that, my thoughts and opinions on some players' performances, the way we lined up, how we played, all that kind of good stuff as well. And uh, obviously Revolution 2 news, is anything coming out of the camp there? So I'm obviously with the, the main team, the first team, the Revolution as well. Well, but first of all, obviously, just want to say thank you to the sponsors for this season, MLS UK. Um, if you do wish to go and show some love to them, it's just at MLS UK show over on their socials and MLS.show. You'll find their website where you can listen to their much high quality uh, podcast. Uh, all things kind of MLS from a UK perspective, I suppose you could say. They don't show any bias, despite the two co-hosts supporting clubs, they do kind of give you a full roundup of MLS news over there. And obviously that'll uh, be kicking off. Well, they've already actually had their first few episodes now, uh, but obviously as the kind of pre-season starts now to filter through, there'll be a lot for, more for them to talk about as the transfers are kind of now, you know, there's still some trickling through, uh, but I think most of the clubs have done the majority of their uh, big signings now. So it's more focusing on getting the team cohesion together and uh, starting to put together really your starting 11 for the start of the season. Obviously, we've got two new uh, clubs this year. We've got Nashville and Inter Miami. Um, Well, that's if they are going to be called Inter Miami. Obviously, I've uh, seen reports coming out that their court case against Inter Milan has not gone too well. Um, So I'm not too sure if that's going to be a complete, you know, kick in the teeth for them. They're going to have to change their name. 
all that kind of stuff but uh yeah big thank you to the guys over at the mls uk show for showing support and showing the putting some faith into me and uh, sponsoring this year's podcast so save you not kind of just into the revolution and somehow stumbled across this podcast i don't know how you'd have stumbled across this podcast if you weren't a kind of fan or had a little bit of an inkling about the revolution you want a more kind of all-rounded experience of the MLS uh, with two Brits talking about it then head over to their socials uh, they've also got their own uh, YouTube channel as well so just search up uh, MLS UK show over on YouTube and I'm sure you'll be, uh, it'll be easy to find them from there they're actually recording their live live and unedited uh, podcast over there so that's going to be uh, interesting to see for sure although to be fair it's very rare that I actually edit much out of my podcast because I just ramble for uh, 40 odd minutes and, and then just cut the ends off and uh, and away we go but uh, hopefully as we kind of progress throughout this season you'll you'll be hearing some nice little jingles here and there and some nice little added details obviously we've got the intro sorted that's nice locked in now I'm thinking about doing a nice little outro as well. And obviously we'll be adding your little sound bites in throughout the season. So that's going to have its own little kind of segment to the show as well. Obviously, a big thank you to the uh, patrons as well. I'm um, up to three patrons. I was at four at one point, but um, somebody uh, deleted their Patreon, which, you know, I, I was grateful to, to anyone to even consider uh, donating any kind of their own money to to me, uh, but obviously a massive shout out to uh, Alex Welsh, Charles Maddox, and Matthew Rottier, um, my three patrons. Thank you guys so much um, for uh, contributing towards the hosting costs of this podcast. Say so pretty much everything that comes uh, from the patrons just goes directly back into um, at the moment, kind of covering any hosting costs for platforms that I upload the podcast to. And eventually, if we get into a situation where I could possibly, you know, afford some new equipment, because that would be uh, that would be really nice as well. But obviously, don't ever feel like you need to. But if you do wish to show support, just head over to Patreon.com, uh, search any revs you can. You'll be able to see my one tier. Well, I've got two tiers at the moment: one normal tier and one just absolutely ridiculous tier. Um, but um, yeah, if you if you do wish to show support, but don't feel you have to. This will always be free, forever free. And uh, you at the moment, you don't really get anything for supporting the thing of the nice warm feeling that you're supporting a, uh, a Brit talk about your uh, beloved team right let's delve into the episode shall we and actually start talking about the revolution first of all I'm just going to start by answering the question that was put to me uh, over on Twitter uh, David Sabillion I um, apologize David if that's not how you say your surname Sabillion uh, I'm not too sure. It sounds a little bit French, to be perfectly honest. I'm not too sure we've got any kind of French heritage in your, um, uh, you know, ancestral DNA. Um, and obviously, thank you to whoever there was the little kind of snippet at the start of the episode as well. Uh, last week we had uh, Chris. Uh, he he lent us uh, his voice. I've got a few more from Chris as well, uh, but I would have put a different one in in today's episode. So thank you to whoever that was. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to send me a little voice clip of you with a little tagline of the show uh, but David's uh, asked me a few questions over on Twitter uh, first of all he's asking me if I've heard that uh, NYFC is getting their own stadium and does uh, shouldn't this put more pressure on Papa Craft to build one in downtown Boston now I'm not going to be start talking about where I think the Revolution's ground should be because I don't think I've really got enough um knowledge and i've not done as enough anywhere near enough research to kind of start putting my two cents into that because of transport links uh there's a whole of abundance things basically no matter even when 
the Revolution do choose to build their own um, soccer-specific stadium, I do feel that it's still going to hit a massive backlash from Revolution fans because they're not going to be able to please everyone with wherever they choose to put the stadium. Um, so I'm going to disregard the bit about downtown Boston, just more the generalisation of do you not feel that they should put the pressure on the crafts to start you know, really bedding down the ideas and getting some plans drawn up for where this stadium is going to be placed. Um, I do think it should do because at the end of the day, um, you know, took some real big steps forward this season to really start almost winning some fans back over to the fact that, okay, maybe the crafts do care about this team. They are investing a lot of their money into the club. It does seem like they want us to be successful of hired Bruce Arena. They've given him kind of free reign to kind of do what he does best really at a club and invest money into the training facilities. We've got a second team now as well, which means playing more, you know, coaching staff, um, as well as the players themselves. We've brought in our third DP signing, all of the stepping stones to becoming a bigger and better franchise. And the real icing on the cake now would be to obviously get some solid statements down from the crafts about what is actually happening with the stadium itself. Um, however, I am more than happy to wait because as kind of mentioned previously, they're not going to please everyone. And if they get it wrong and don't do enough due diligence and research into kind of getting this right it could easily backfire um i know we've waited for 25 years uh, already um but you know i do think that rushing it now at this stage of where we're just starting to see what the revolution could become could be pretty detrimental to the actual franchise as well so you know as much as we've heard it all before um, I do feel that this side, this time with the fact we've got Bruce Arena on, they've just invested £35 million into a training facility. We've bought a third DP signing in. We're investing in players, investing in talent, investing in recruitment, you know, investments all around. It just seems, you know, that they are moving into that direction and that this year maybe isn't just lip service. It is actually something that they are really looking into. Um, I'd rather them be looking into that than any kind of rebranding purely because... Um, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm not really. I, I. I. don't mind the the badge as it is. You know. Obviously, it's not the most, you know, amazing bit of art you've ever seen. But I don't mind it. I don't know why quite a few people out there are so adamant that we need to change our branding because we haven't changed it in twenty five years. Um, I mean, to me, it does the job. It's very patriotic. It's very American. The name is well. I don't think we need to change the the name. New England Revolution. I like it. Um, it's very unique. Uh, I don't, yeah, I think Tifad rather has invest that money elsewhere. I might be coming back to that. I'm not, I'm not even really for or against it, I suppose. Um, if, if we do decide to go down a different route, then, then, then fair enough. I'd like to see kind of what the options are first, though. I don't want us to just, un, you know, un, um, reveal something and it'd be, you know, set in stone. I would kind of like fan interaction if, if at all possible because at the end of the day, it's, something that we as fans will be invested into the brand, will be invested into the merchandise. So I, I do feel that we should have some say in some way. Um, so I kind of hope that they don't just go to one idea and then plonk it out and that's it. This is now the new team name. This is the new team logo. Deal with it. Um, I've seen that from my club in, in England, Leeds United. We put out this horrible badge, which had no... I, I completely get the idea behind it. 
but it was disgusting and I'm really glad that they kind of been that and just kept with what we've got because again I don't really feel that Leeds needed a rebrand you know it was just kind of rebranding because it was what was going on at the time and other clubs were rebranding bringing out new badges but you know at the end of the day it's it's not the worst bit of art in the world is it it's all right yes it looks like a Crayola crayons drawn on an American flag but you know what it does a trick for me and I'm neither here nor there on it I would rather the fact that um, the stadium gets done and gets done properly. Uh, it's a two-part question from David. The second part was, um, what do you make of the Polish Pro League in comparisons to the MLS? Uh, obviously, this relates to our new DP signing, Adam Butska. Um, so, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, uh, Pro- Polish Pro League, I've only watched a handful of games. I'd probably say they're not far too fair not far off kind of what the level of the MLS is in terms of um, players abilities and all that kind of stuff I'd probably say it's slightly ahead uh, but I wouldn't say too much purely just maybe more in their maybe speed of the game more than anything I, I, I do sometimes find that when watching MLS games and it just depends on the teams that are playing to, and, and and I suppose the pitch they're playing on sometimes as well that sometimes when I watch an MLS game it's um it's slightly slower paced than than definitely some games of, of football or soccer, sorry, that I watch. So, um, but again, it's I, I wouldn't say that it's uh, something across the board in the MLS because some games are quite frantic and end-to-end, almost like basketball games at some points. Um, I would say the MLS game is starting to become less direct than usual. Um, I would When I kind of first started watching, I would say it was very much more a... A direct style of game and I think it's come through a kind of few different phases real MLS has there was a, a stage where it was very flary and very kind of trying to get people to get involved with soccer because it wasn't as big over in America so they're trying to get it to become you know really exciting really flair uh, abundant players and, and and you know lots of skill moves um then kind of did go to kind of a more kind of very pacey game where it was all about pace um I'm not saying there's not pace in the game now. I just feel that it's it's uh, it's a very direct style of play sometimes that's going to be seen by a lot of clubs. Uh, they kind of try to miss out the midfield, just go direct to the wings and try and get the ball into the box. Um, so I'd say maybe the pace in that terms is, is in there's a lot of attacking going on than, than there is. But I, I would actually say the pace of the game it sometimes is quite slow um, in terms of there's... Not really a lot going on in the in the middle of the park. Um, it 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 does seem very direct wing play orientated at the moment, but that could just be a trend that's going on because a lot of clubs are investing into you know very skillful, talented wingers. Um, and obviously you got to utilize your strengths sometimes. Uh, but again, I wouldn't say there's a, there's a blanket canvas across the the board with MLS teams. I do think it's um very much every team kind of plays to their own style. Uh, it's just obviously a handful of games that I've seen last season that are were revolution games. That's kind of what my takeaway from it. Um, but I'd say the Polish Pro League is more... Uh, what's the right word for it? I'd say it's more, yeah, kind of controlled, if that's uh, not a negative at all. It's kind of more... Uh, done in the middle of the park the ball's played from the back through the middle through the you know it's kind of done in stages rather than pump it long and kind of hope somebody gets onto something uh, but I wouldn't say it was th- too dissimilar in terms of the talent that's available the skills you know that the players are pulling off in games and 
the kind of the level of where the, the clubs are at. I think if you were to mix the Polish Pro League and the MLS uh, together, I do think it'd be a good mix of, um, you know, I don't think the the, pro, the Polish teams would dominate at all. I do think that it would be a good mix. Uh, but again, as I've mentioned on very, quite a while ago, maybe my first season of podcast, that I do feel that the MLS, the one thing that's, that is against the MLS is the sheer gulf in quality sometimes because if you were to look at the say for example I'll use the English Premier League because well the English system is, as it's the one I'm the most familiar with if you were to look at the English Premier League uh, sorry not English Premier League if you were to look at the English League system and try and allocate where MLS teams would go into I'd say you've maybe got one or two that could sneak into the championship but there would be kind of championship teams that would be battling that mid-table relegation battle I would think you know you'd possibly argue that LAFC and Atlanta, you know, they're the two teams I'd probably be thinking about. And then you've got, you know, a handful of League One teams, League Two teams, and maybe, you know, two two or three, you know, conference teams, really. I think the gulf in the actual league quality is a little bit too big at the moment. And I'm not going to start a debate about, you know, if I'm for or against relegation. I kind of mentioned that on uh, episode two when I talked about league structure and how my feelings and opinions were on that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's because there is no comeuppance on coming last other than financial, financially. Um, and you almost get, you know, not not really not really a prize for coming last, but obviously you get first, you know, draft pick. And so you get the kind of pick of the best talent coming through, which is understandable because they're trying to make it a more fairer system. I get it. I completely get it. It's what they've done in, in uh, NHL. NHL. I don't know if they do it in NHL. In NFL. But, um, yeah, I kind of get that. But at the same time, if there's no kind of repercussion for coming bottom continually, then what's, you know, what's the harm as long as the club's financially stable? What's the harm in the club? Just continuing doing that and not really invest, not living outside their means, um, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really going to delve in it too much, but I just feel that sometimes the gulf in quality between the top teams and the bottom teams is is too vast in in the MLS to kind of. Um, I think that's what holds it back sometimes, and possibly what people look at. They don't just see, you know, the 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 MLS as Atlanta United or LAFC. You know, they see it as Cincinnati. They see it. As unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, because you know there are rivals of ours, but as Chicago Fire are at the moment, although they seem to be making a lot of moves in the transfer market now. Uh, but to go back to your question, I don't think there's too much difference in terms of the overall quality. However, I do feel that the gulf in difference between the teams at the bottom of our league, I don't think they they'd make it anywhere near the. You know, I do think that we'd have. All of our teams, if it was a relegation, if we added all of the Polish Pro Leagues and all of the MLS teams, I do feel that a majority of our teams would be at the bottom because I feel I feel like we have too many teams which are, you know, uh, mediocre compared to the Pro League. Um, but in terms of the kind of quality that is up there, that I think it's you know it's kind of on par. par or there or thereabouts. Uh, but we're going to be heading over to the brand new segment now in the show. It's when you guys get a chance to have your say in the podcast, voice your opinions, voice your thoughts, and uh, voice anything, your predictions, your lineups, all that kind of things. The Dropbox is over on Twitter. Just contact me over there if you can't find the link to it as well. It's at UK. But let's get ready for the brand new jingle. This is the jingle from Mike's new Dropbox. 
So we're here. Thank you to myself for making that lovely little jingle there. Uh, it was uh, great. Obviously, I'm going to be working on it. It might change, right? I say the even name of the little uh, the little kind of segment might change. I'm not actually as I'm recording this. I'm still not 100% on what I've called it or what jingle I've gone with. So it's going to be kind of you know exciting for me while I'm kind of editing this together to kind of what I've nailed on now is what I'm calling it and what the jingle is. So thank you to me. That was uh, some great work there. And now let's head over to the Dropbox and see what we've got in store for us. That's fuck all. Well, um, yeah, that's going to cut the episode slightly shorter than usual, but we obviously we have got the game against LAFC to yep okay well um if you do wish to get obviously involved then um then please do if not then obviously I'll just knock this on the head and take it as a catastrophic mistake uh, and uh, yeah an experiment gone wrong but um yeah okay well we'll move on to the uh, game against LAFC shall we Sorry, I realised I obviously just said LAFC. Obviously, I meant the other LA team, LA Galaxy. We had our first scrimmage of the season. Coming out with a 2-1 loss. Um, I hate kind of saying loss, not because it's the revolution, but because at the end of the day, it, it wasn't kind of, you know, this as much as obviously the, yes, the result is important in some aspects. But I think as long as we're not kind of getting drilled 6 or 7 nil in a preseason game, it's all about kind of, you know, building up players' um, fitness levels and obviously getting the players to play together and understanding what Bruce wants out of them this year. So they're kind of, I'm not really too overly concerned about the results um, in terms of uh, kind of what the scoreline is. As long as we're not conceding really crap goals and a lot of them, then, and the team actually puts in a decent performance, then it's not really a kind of, you know, worrying sign. I don't think that we went 2-1 down to the Galaxy on the first preseason game. Uh, so let's kind of talk about, obviously, the uh, the game and kind of give my thoughts and opinions on players' performances and uh, how I think we did and all that kind of stuff. So, obviously, starting off, uh, there was the news that came out of the camp that uh, Alexander Butner, uh, Luis Casado, uh, Delamaya, uh, Carlos Seal and Mancien were all unavailable. Uh, I've not actually read into the reasoning why I think it is now has been made. Uh, I think Jeff Lemur has uh, posted why kind of there was omissions from the squad. Um, but obviously, you know, some quite big players there. When I say, obviously, Alexander Butner at least get 45 minutes or something in the squad today. Uh, Luis Casado, we kind of know what he does, but obviously, again, always a key aspect to the team. He's one of the first uh, players on the team sheet for me. Uh, Della Maya, uh, kind of obviously, you know, unfortunately with him and Mancian out meant that, uh, you know, we kind of had to partner back. Uh, the partner partnership at the back would have to be Andrew Farrell and Kessler, which was exciting because uh, obviously you know, I wanted to see what kind of Henry could bring to the team. But slightly concerning that, you know, two of our four centre-backs, one being an actual you know, starting off as a right back, um, were not available for the game, and then obviously Carlos Hill, a huge miss, um, from the game. Obviously, we started the game with uh, Matt Turner in goal, Seth uh, at left back, uh, Kessler and Farrell as the centre back partnership, and then Brandon Boy out on the right. We started with a midfield partnership of uh, Wilfred Zahibo and Callum Rowe. Uh, the front three in behind the striker was uh, Diego Fundungas, Pania, and Bo. And we started with our new and third DP signing of the season, Adam Butska. Um, 
So, uh, the, what I quite liked, first of all, from the lineup, I'd say, is um, the fact that uh, I don't think this was far off kind of what people would have named as their starting 11. Uh, obviously, there's uh, some omissions from the squad. Um, for me, though, I think Turner is most, if not everyone's first choice goalkeeper. Uh, I think left-back's the one which may have some people before this game was... Um, you know, maybe some people were, were thinking, is it going to be Seth? Is it going to be Alexander? Um, obviously, it had to be kind of Seth in this game because Butner was uh, out for whatever reason. Um, Kessler and uh, Andrew Farrell, I think obviously most people have that down as Farrell and Delamare for the start of the season. Although, obviously, based on Henry's performance, it wasn't bad, but we'll kind of delve into that. Brandon By at the moment kind of looks like now done right back um, before this match. This is all before this match went live, by the way. Um, Zahibo and Rowe, that's probably the, the two maybe where people wouldn't choose. Obviously, I think obviously a lot of people, if not everyone has, Lewis Casado maybe alongside Zahibo in there rather than Callum Rowe. Um, but obviously we've also got Scotty Calderwell. Um, then in front three behind, sorry, the three behind the striker, um, Bo and Penia and Gil, I think most people have it as, and uh, obviously Adam up top. Um, but obviously this time was time for Diego to kind of get some minutes on the pitch, hopefully see what we can see from him uh, this season. And then obviously everyone else pretty much was on, on the bench. The game started off pretty well. I think both teams are uh, pretty nervous, uh, both looking to get on the ball early, put some possession on the ball. Um, but then in the eighth minute, uh, a crossfield ball finds Pavon. Um, uh, sorry, from Pavon, uh, obviously, and put into the net by, um, I don't really know, Galaxy players, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. Uh, was it Zubka? I think it was. Um, not the best goal to concede. I do think that, you know, it's... One of the things that it wasn't a set piece as such, but you know, kind of crosses into the box and dealing with any kind of set pieces, corners, free kicks, it just seems I'm not too sure. I, th- I feel it's something we still need to address because it, I get panicky every single time the club, any club, gets the ball around the kind of edge of our box and puts in a ball because I just feel we've we're kind of still inept to to deal with any danger. I'm not too sure what it is. Um, it doesn't, you know, seem like it should be communication, but what I don't know what else it could be. They all kind of know what they need to do. Surely, defend the ball, defend the area, defend the goal. But I don't know. It just seems there's there's some confusion sometimes to who's going to do what, which I think must lie on the the coach for this one, um, rather than the players, because he's got to be really clear in what his expectation is. When a ball comes into the box, you do this, you do this, you do this. Because um, at the end of the day, if two players are are are, are not in full understanding of of what their the expectation for them defending a corner across a set piece is, then it leads to miscommunication. Two people going for the same ball, and then somebody being made free, and you know, you know, hopefully not, but in some cases, as conceding a goal. Um, so obviously, eight minutes into the game, not the best start. Um, Obviously, after not really a lot really going on in the game, I say a lot of players just trying to find their feet, getting an early touch on the ball. Um, 
But we kind of then started to come back into the game. Uh, you know, some really good passages to play. I do think that Christian Panea looked very, very fit, very active, very lively, wanted the ball a lot. I like the fact that Himbo and uh, Diego were kind of interchanging throughout the game. I think that's going to be huge throughout the season if that's kind of the way we look to play with any of the kind of three behind the striker being able to interchange throughout the game. It's going to cause a real headache. And I'd like to see Panea out on the left more. Um, I do think he was starting position was the right and he did see in there quite a lot. He did drift inside, but I don't really remember too many times of him out on the left, whereas I feel that's actually where he's more more dangerous, and it's kind of where, in his inaugural season with the Revolution, where we got the best out of him. Obviously, last season, he looked a bit heavier, a little bit sluggish. Um, I think they had the, the knock-on effect from, you know, maybe a falling out with Brad, uh, and Bruce trying to kind of get the best out of him towards the back end of the season. We saw glimpses of it there, but it looks like he's really been putting the effort in in the off-season, come back looking really strong, really fit, really active, wanting to get on the ball, um, demanding the ball in a lot of you know tight positions where I think that's sometimes where you can tell the quality of a player or the, the, the trust in his ability is when he's asking for the ball, not just when he's in acres of space, but when he's in kind of quite a tight predicament sometimes, but still demanding the ball so he can get on it because he knows and believes his inability and kind of to make something happen. Uh, we did hit the crossbar. Uh, I've seen a back-to-back big chances. Um, uh, Adams' uh, effort was first blocked out for a corner, and then um, we did obviously have the crossing from I think it was Gustavo Bo who took the corner and uh, hitting the crossbar. Do you think we could be quite dangerous from set pieces this season? If you think about it, we've got uh, Adam Butska who who is a giant, a lot taller than kind of what. I thought he looked massive. We've obviously got um, Zahibo as well, very, very big. And then we've got uh, Henry Klesler as well. If he does play and if he is brought on at the pitch at any one point, he is a big unit as well. So hopefully all three of them can be quite dominant in the air. So I think we could start looking to utilise that a little bit more uh, in our set-piece work. Um, 34th minute into the game, 2-0 to the Galaxy. Uh, This one was... Uh, I don't know. I've watched it back a few times now, and t- uh, my first initial thoughts was it was all on Turner. And uh, the more I've watched it back, I do think that maybe I didn't think Seth could do much more, as he did look like he was trying to push Pavon out wide. Um, I'm not too sure what Matt Turner's positioning was there. Uh, I think I think it was possibly a little bit of not. He didn't trust Seth to to get there. I mean, to to be perfectly honest, as I said, as I've watched it back now. It is obvious that Seth was caught on his heels. Uh, it, it was too late to react. Pavan had a, you know, a yard anymore, so and he had to really fight back. And I don't think Matt Turner actually trusted um, Seth's ability maybe to actually get back there and, and put any kind of pressure on him. So he started to, to come off his line to close down the angle uh, as well, uh, which led him to being out of position, which gave uh, Pavon an easy slot home for, for 2-0. Um, but... Uh, Going into a turn at half time would have been, you know, a bit of a nightmare for the revolution, but we did manage to, to pull one back and some may say comfort. Controversial fashion, um, although watching the replay back numerous times now, not just being a revolution biased fan, it, it wasn't offside, it was onside. Um, at the end of the day, I suppose, with it being a scrimmage, it wasn't really scrutinized, although they did take a good few, few seconds to kind of come up with any kind of judgment. But uh, Gustavo Bo's goal was given, and we all know that that was a shot <laughs> from, from Butska. Um, but at the end of the day, Gustavo Bo gambled on that you know shot maybe being off target trailed toward the back post and managed to get a foot on it and it was uh quite a well-worked goal on to put up to that point you know i think we got lucky at one point but uh it was good to see the boys linking up and yes it was a scuffed shot but 
at the end of the day, it's his first kind of game of the season. Now. These are the kind of things that we're working on now. So, But it was good to go in at the break. 2-1. Uh, only 2-1 down. Um, and uh, yeah, some nice passages of play, as I said. I'd probably say from the first half, um, I think Kessler looked like you could see the promise that was there. He did make a few mistakes. I think a lot of it was down to nerves. Um, but yeah, he did look, you know, composed at times and uh, looked like he was just trying to do the real simple things, which was great to see. He wasn't trying to do anything too big, too drastic to kind of prove a point. He was just trying to you know, showcase to the coach that look, if given this position, I know how to kind of get myself out of trouble. It, I think it just did kind of what was expected of him, really, um, which was good to see. It didn't phase him too much. Uh, I think, as I said, Christian Panier probably was a standout for me in that in the first half, uh, alongside um, Butzka as well. Obviously, sometimes it's really hard for a new player to kind of get involved with a team and to be kind of a lone striker as well. Sometimes it can be a very uh, frustrating and and uh, thankful task sometimes to be kind of running channels and that kind of stuff. But I think all four of them linked up really well. I don't think Diego has done himself any favours, if I'm going to be fair honest. I want to see, obviously, Diego do well. And I think this is probably his last chance to loon now. Uh, but I don't think he did. I don't think he did anything wrong. But at the same time, he didn't impose himself as much as he probably could do. Although saying that, there was that one point when he did have the ball, cut it into his right foot, and uh, took a kind of curling shot towards the uh, the opposite corner of the goal. Uh, it was slightly off target, but it was kind of nice to see him kind of have the not audacity, but the kind of uh, belief in himself to get that done. Um, obviously just needs to work on that a little bit more but it did kind of show the fact that he kind of is still adamant he's not going to use his left foot unless absolutely necessary because the way that the ball came across him it would have been nice to see him kind of faint to the right because predominantly everyone knows he's going to cut back onto his right but then go outside on his left and have a shot obviously he still doesn't trust his left foot uh, ability in his left, left foot to do that but I think you know it's something he does need to work on because I think it could be a very useful weapon um, I think Andrew Fowle did really really well at um, at centre back um, said Kessler did well apart from the goal Turner you know did had a solid performance the the, uh, the second goal I don't think he can really be blamed too much for the first goal um, who else we got we had uh, Seth at left back I mean he was okay um, he looked like you know he was trying to get forward as much as he could do it's really too easy to say look, he was a bit too tired to maybe getting up and down that left-hand side the whole 45 or however long the 60 minutes I think he played. Um, but yeah, obviously it's really early in the preseason, so we're not too sure of everyone's fitness levels. Uh, in midfield, Callum Rowe and Zahibo. Zahibo for me, again, I don't know, he just annoys me a lot because you can see how good he is sometimes on the ball and how well he does in a tackle and then other times... I don't know, the game just kind of just goes by him and he's he doesn't really get involved as much. And I feel like he, he could be utilising himself in trying to find space a bit more. He doesn't seem to come deep as often as he could do to get the ball to kind of start the play. And that's kind of what we look from. Lewis Casale does it a lot. He goes deep, picks up the ball and then starts the play himself. Um, Callum Rowe, I don't know, again... I don't think he did anything wrong, but he didn't do anything great either. I mean, he, he tracked back quite a lot. Um, his passing was okay. But again, obviously, he's trying to find his rhythm within the, the revolution. Hopefully, he's given another opportunity um, to kind of showcase what he can do. Because we've, we've seen it from Callum before. It has been a while, but we have seen his ability. It's a bit like Diego. It's frustrating as hell because we know they can do better. And it's just hoping that Bruce is the right 
coach to kind of bring this out of them and give them the chance and the opportunity that we kind of and you know to bring their potential out that we know they've got. Um, in front of him, as I said, I think that front three was did okay. Gustavo Bo did really well, drifting out wide at times, coming through the middle, uh, worked his socks off. Diego was okay. Christian was probably the the best of the bunch. Then Adam up top. Uh, we then started the second half um, with, I thought it was going to be the ring full of changes at the half, but it wasn't. It wasn't until the 60th minute when all of the kind of substitutions were made. I think the kind of first, you know, uh, wherever it was, 15, 20 minutes of the of the first half was, again, quite slow paced. Teams kind of just finding their way back into the, the game, not really trying anything too risky. Uh, the 60th minute came in and... Um, I think it was oh sorry at the half Brad Knighton did come on and Jones went to left back as well sorry so yeah at half time it was uh, Brad Knighton did come on and Jones at left back uh, but in the 60th minute is when all of the changes started happening for both teams as well um, the lineup uh, was uh, Knighton in goal we then actually had our new um, draft pick I'm not too sure what his official position is but he played left back in this game um, oh my god Let's rest. I don't know how to pronounce your 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 name. Sorry, I think his first name's Simon. If I'm right, and I'm, I apologise for that. Uh, we then had Kessler and Farrell who completed the ninety minutes. Jones went to right back. We then had Justin Rennix, Fremantle, Caldwell, uh, Buchanan, Ankin, and Bunbury. Um, uh, obviously, with as I said, Farrell and Kessler playing the full ninety minutes with Delamere and Manti and unavailable what I quite liked about this is seeing Dewan Jones play at right back obviously we've seen kind of what he can do at left back and hoping that he can kind of just utilize that and again while defensively he's not the best um, I think attacking as an attacking option he, he looked really really threatening and he did really really well down the right hand side I felt in um, in the remainder of the game for me what was confusing was um, I, I don't quite get what you know I'm not, I'm not too sure what Ankin's ever been classed as, but I wouldn't see him as a natural 10. Obviously, it was great to see, you know, Renix, Firmino, uh, Ankin and Buchanan all getting on the pitch. I've really, you know, it's something that I've wanted to see for a while now. Um, but for me, I would have probably put, I don't know, maybe tried Ankin and Firmino, swapped them around or, or played Renix off uh, Bunbury. I mean, I suppose then that would mean that one of the, you know, either Frim or, or Ankin would have to play out, out wide because obviously Scotty's not going to. Um, but it was, yeah, it was quite, you know, weird to see. You know, you could even try, I don't know, it was just weird. I thought that maybe Ankin would have been where Firmino was and, and Firmino where Ankin was and then have Firmino, Renix and Buchanan interchanging. Um but yeah, I think Renix uh, quite liked him. Really, really good. Very direct player. Picks with the ball and just likes to get going, get running. Um, this obviously is still not the finished article, uh, but it was quite promising to see him pick the ball. Uh, you know, I don't think he's done enough to kind of you know start causing Bruce any headaches at all. But I think out of the ones that were named in the pitch, I think you know out of the youngsters, I think he was the one that that probably showcased himself in the best light. Uh, Frim Firmino didn't really. You know, do anything wrong as such. You know, got on the ball when he wanted to. Um, looked good. Passing was good. Uh, did the simple things well. Didn't really kind of try and do anything too fancy. Did kind of what was asked of him. Uh, put in a solid performance, I suppose you'd say. Nothing too bad, but nothing great at the same time. Scotty Caldwell looked good. I'm not going to lie. Scotty Caldwell did look good. His passing was very, very good. Um, worked his socks off as he does. And um, yeah, I think he put in a good solid performance. Buchanan, for me, I was kind of really excited. I think that he's, an, I've, I've named him as my one to watch for the season. Um, didn't really do enough for me in the game. Um, there's some few nice bits of skill that he tried. I think his pace is going to be key for him. 
um, but it just really needs to sometimes maybe work on his decision making it's almost like he gets caught in two minds sometimes when the ball's at his feet you should already know kind of what he wants to do with it where and sometimes I think he gets the ball turns and then kind of thinks okay where do I go now um, so I think his decision making needs to be worked on and I think once he's fine-tuned that he could be a real dangerous threat for us especially coming off the bench um the uh the youngster at the the draft pick at uh, at left back i think he did well um again you know he was caught out of position a few times when i, I feel like um you know maybe Renix was caught far, uh, too far forward. He's had to then press and the players and then going to be behind him. But I don't think that was, I can't really suppose you can say it was his fault at some times because, again, he was kind of caught, which which one do I do? Sometimes maybe he chose the wrong decision and he should have shouted and just used his voice more to get a player to kind of pull out wide, maybe bring out, you know, Frim or, or Caldwell out wide. And maybe it was on, on Scotty or, or Andrew's head there that they should be dictating what's going on there. He, he shouldn't be maybe you know having to make that decision at such a young age and uh, in his first competitive game for for the revolution he should be kind of you know at some point you've got to be held accountable for for your for your mistakes and stuff but at the same time he needs help it's you know it's not i think there could have been bigger voices for that instant a few instances when it did happen but you know what i think he did okay when he was on the ball he didn't look too phased um the biggest letdown for, for, for me, really, I mean, the, the two up top, uh, Teal Bunbury and uh, Isaac Ankin, unfortunately. And I'm a big Isaac Ankin fan. I, I want this guy to do well. I I, I think he's 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 got something about him. Um, there's definitely something there, but uh, he didn't showcase that today. I think the game did pass him by in large chunks uh, of, of the game. He, he I don't think he really understood kind of... And I don't know if this is him or, or kind of the game or kind of, you know, what the coaching. But he, I don't think, it, for me, it looked like he didn't really understand what his role was because sometimes I've seen him far too deep in the game. Um, and I'm not too sure if that's just because he got dragged out of position by a player or he was asked to man mark a player or what. And then it just left a huge gap between the, the midfield and, and Teal. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, just, I don't know. It, it just looked like he didn't understand the role of playing as a 10. Uh, and again, it might not be because that's not what he's ever played before, and it's not something. If he's not played it before and he's not trained as that before, then you know it's a big ask for a player to come in on his first appearance and and, and do a really really solid job for you. Teal, I suppose, did what Teal does best. He ran around a lot, um, but he just really didn't seem to be getting involved in the game too much. I mean, he had a decent attempt right towards the death. Him and Buchanan had a, an opportunity which Teal really should be finishing there, and and Buchanan again, obviously, you know he's young, so he kind of gets away with it a little bit, but. Um, but yeah, it was it was okay. But I mean, for for me, I think out of the the youngsters, it was Renix who kind of was the one that impressed me the most. Um, Pania was the kind of biggest improvement I would say on last season. Um, but yeah, Butska looked looked like he was a handful. He had good hold up play. Um, you know, I think he could, that's he's going to bring a lot to the the club, and obviously his whole dynamic of of being a giant as well is going to be key. If we can get some, you know, if we can get a, a Christian Pania of the first season down that left-hand side, crossing in balls to, to Bo and Butsku and then Carlos Hill on the edge of the area. That is going to be uh, very, very exciting. But overall, I think it's a solid, you know, 90 minutes, some good minutes for the players. Fitness seems to be okay for a lot of them. Um, a few nerves um, from some of the young lads. But uh, all in all, I was, you know, I was more, um, how should I say, I was more pleased 
than than anything coming away from the game. You know, it was a, obviously the result wasn't the result anyone wanted, but it, you never want to lose. But at the same time, it didn't really mean much to me. The result, uh, the the main thing there was kind of understanding what Bruce is trying to do with the club. And I think that, you know, apart from maybe Ankin, uh, everyone kind of seemed to kind of understand their role and kind of what was expected of them. Um, but yeah, it's still, you can't really take too much away from from, from the um, from the first pre-season game of the year. Um, so what I'm going to do now, guys, is I'm going to, this is, so every single episode I do now, I'm going to predict my, what, no, not predict. I'm going to give my, what my starting 11 would be based on that performance. So obviously with that in mind, Delamaya, Mancien, Carlos Hill, um, who else was that injured? Uh, Casado, uh, Mancien, Delamaya, I think that was it, was it? Oh, and Butner won't be included because I didn't see them, so I can't give judgment on them. But if I had to pick from the players that I've seen um, perform, if I had to pick my 11 going into the next match, my starting 11 would be Matt Turner in goal, a starting back four from left to right of obviously um, Seth Novich because I think he's the only player he can probably put there at the moment. Um, we then have a, a centre-back partnership of the only two I can pick from, Kessler and Farrell, which I don't think is bad. Right back, I'll actually start Dewan Jones there to see um, you know, what we've got uh, as an option for him playing right back. In front of him, I would go with uh, Scotty Caldwell and um, Callum Rowe. I don't know why it was it was tough between Rowe and Zebo. They both really didn't do anything to, to overly impress me. But at the same time, we'll, we'll go for Rowe. But Caldwell, I think, needs to start there based on his performance. Uh, the front three behind the striker, we're going to go for uh, Justin Menix on the right, uh, Gustavo Bow in the 10th spot, and Christian Panier on the left. And then Adam Butzka starting up top with a bench of every single other player that's left. Uh, let me know, guys, over on social, any socials you follow me on. Uh, what your starting eleven would be based on the players that you've seen playing in that first game against the Galaxy. So you can't pick Carlos here. We know that he's going to be in the starting eleven for the start of the season. We know these things. Uh, but based on kind of what you saw from that, uh, let me know your thoughts. Two fair guys I've wrote down here as well, and I'm not too sure why I haven't covered it, but can we all give a round of applause for Brad Knighton as well? Um, you know, a long-time servant at the club. Uh, understood it again, it seems like he's going to be this season, but to be fair, I don't know. He's going to be knocking on the door. He had, he had some good saves He was when he was called upon, and to be awfully honest, he did keep a clean sheet as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's great to have such a, a talented... Um, I hate saying backup goalkeeper, but that's kind of what it seems like it's going to be. As, as Matt Turner probably looks like to claim his spot for the uh, starting eleven, or or does he? I mean, obviously it's hard to to you know not name somebody who's just been called up to the US men's national team. But at the end of the day, it's starting afresh this season. Could Brad sneak in there and claim that number one shirt uh, for the season? But as I said, overall, I was pretty happy with the um, the. Uh, the game and uh, I think there's more positives than negatives coming out of the, the scrimmage than anything. So Revolution 2 news as well as there has been a few bits and bobs coming out of the Revolution 2 camp. First of all, they have their own social media as well now. So it's not just news coming out of the Revolution 1 account. They have now got their own Revolution account as well, which is unsurprisingly any revolution two makes perfect sense. Uh, only just the one post so far, and obviously that is the the news that uh, 
Megan, sorry, no, it wasn't Megan. Why did I say Megan for? Uh, Keegan Mayer, who we picked up in our uh, in, in the draft, has now been um, offered a contract to play for the Revolution 2 as their uh, as their goalkeeper. So, so far, with the fact that Jeff Coldwell hasn't been named, I don't think, as a Revolution 2 player, I think that's the only the one goalkeeper they've got, unless they're utilising, obviously, the under-19 under or the academy players for that as well. Um, so, yeah, obviously, great to obviously have a, a goalkeeper on board there. I'm not too sure what kind of first team players will be utilised there, but uh, obviously great to have them board. And obviously make sure if you want to follow all of the Revolution 2 news that you do head over to their social account, NE Revolution 2 over on Twitter. We did obviously see our first kind of interview as well with uh, the manager over of the Revolution 2 team as well, as he took his first training. Obviously only like a two minute clip, I think it was, um, from the coach there, but uh, Clint obviously making it abundantly clear that um, the guys have come in with some really, really good energy. They're all there to prove a point. They're all putting, giving it their all in their first ever training session. And obviously he's very pleased at kind of what he's seeing from the boys, um, which obviously all positive things to hear from the coach. Obviously they've got a handful of, uh, of games to kind of take place over the upcoming weeks so it'll be interesting to see the kind of results and kind of then the 11 I suppose because that's the hardest thing I can't predict an 11 because I've not seen anything from them at all um, but yeah to predict their first 11 and see what their first 11 is actually getting me more excited than it is at the revolution at the moment because I think we've got a few nailed on positions there that we kind of know who's going to be starting and uh, I think that one for me is an unknown so really really uh, can't wait to see kind of what they can what they can showcase for us and uh, as I said, what their first starting eleven will be. Obviously, their uh, season starting on the 28th of March in the USL1. So, guys, that's pretty much it for the news from the Revolution Camp today. I don't think anything else has, uh, has come out. We've obviously we've all seen the kits. We've all had our opinions on the kits. Um, we've played our first pre-season of the game. We've got Revolution 2 players being signed and their first uh, pre-season game. Coming up very, very shortly. Uh, La Prentera is back on the score sheet as we always known he would be. It's uh, all looking good for the revolution at the moment. And I, for one, am very, very excited to get this season underway. But that pretty much wraps up today's episode, guys. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you have, then uh, be sure to obviously follow, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Uh, follow my socials as well at AnyRevsUK. And if you fancy joining the Patreon over there to show your support, that would be internally grateful. Anyway, guys, as I said, that wraps up today's episode. I hope you had a good one. And I will catch you guys next time for the next one. AnyRevsUK. All things revolution from a UK perspective.